This is Twenties Inspired. I am on a mission to design my twenties around happiness and purpose through learnings from personal experiences, <laughs> books, podcasts, articles, and talks. I hope to inspire you to live a more happy and fulfilling life, according to you. Welcome back to 20s Inspired. Today we have a very exciting episode. This is the first interview of the podcast and we are talking to Nathan Moss. Nathan is the man behind Uncle Nathan, which is his own brand that he developed from scratch. Uncle Nathan is an online ecosystem consisting of the Post School podcast, the Uncle Nathan blog, and his social platforms, of course, where Nathan shares his personal learnings and learnings and insights from others. I wanted to bring Nathan on 20s Inspired to share his wisdom and knowledge about all things to do with following your passions and turning your passion project into an opportunity to design your dream life, which 20s Inspired is all about. We also dive into some really important topics of mental health, the entrepreneur lifestyle and what it's actually like behind the scenes, which I found really interesting, (laughs) your work ethic and what it actually takes to turn your dreams into a success, how to navigate work-life balance, traveling in your 20s and dealing with relationships. I found so much value in this episode and in talking to Nathan. He is a world of wisdom for someone so young. So I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. Let's bring him on. Nathan Moss, welcome to 20s Inspired. I am so excited to have you on today. I'm so excited to be here, Holly. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. This is a very special episode to me because not only is this the first guest episode on the podcast, very exciting, but I've also been following you and everything you do for about a year and a bit now. And you actually were a big part of why I've even been able to launch a podcast. You really, really inspired me. So, Yeah, it's kind of crazy that you're now the first guest on the podcast. Very exciting. Yay, that's so sick. Thank you so much (laughs) for sharing that. I I love when that stuff happens because that's the whole point of Uncle Nathan is like to inspire stuff like this. Yeah, so it's crazy that now we're actually having this conversation. It must feel kind of weird to you that I'm like, oh, I'm your fan and now here I am. It's awesome. I love it. That's the whole point. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So starting off, why don't you tell us who is Nathan Moss and what do I need to know about you and your past to understand who you are? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I really like how you frame that question. Um, who is Nathan Moss? Well, I'm almost 22. I finished school in 2019 and went straight into uni after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a Bachelor of Business. So I've done the whole uni route. I've got my bachelor's degree and now I am actually running my own business. So I then went away from the uni route. Um, didn't end up needing the degree, but who knows, might need it in the future. Um, I've grown up on the Northern beaches. I One year after high school started my own passion project, which is obviously how we know each other through Uncle Nathan. And Uncle Nathan was essentially built to help young people, number one, discover what their passion is, and number two, fearlessly 
go after that passion um, rather than going down the whole direct, you have to do this because this mm-hmm. is what everyone else does route. So essentially, Nathan Moss is the guy who produces podcasts, produces videos, and runs a little business on the side. Which is all amazing. And Uncle Nathan definitely does do that. So let us get into Uncle Nathan. Where did it start and how did it start? Yeah, so when I finished high school, uh, how do I sound this without sounding really cocky? I found <laughs> I found high school really easy. Like yeah. I got through the HSC. I studied really hard, don't get me wrong, but I was the sort of person that the school system just worked for me. Mm. Like I was built for school. And I didn't realize it at the time, but so many other young people just aren't built for school. Like it's just they don't fit. It's like a circle trying to go into a square shape. It's just not yeah. meant to work. And after I finished high school, I actually – went back to the school where I graduated and worked as a student learning support officer. So my role there was to essentially help students who did struggle at school get through the HSC because it was just a year 11 and 12 school. And I actually had one specific day where I was in the library helping one student with his English essay. And I dead set had a line of about 15 students wanting help on this one English essay. Wow! And like in my mind, it was such a simple task. Like the essay made so much sense. Obviously, I'd done it before because I'd just graduated the year before. Mm. But it got to the point where I was like, my God, I don't have enough time in the day to help all of these kids at once. So how can I get my knowledge and what I know about the HSC system and school out to the world? Um, And I'm the sort of guy who's always loved technology and social media. Like I'm obsessed with that world. I find it so intriguing just how it all works. And I also love writing. So the obvious pick for me was, oh, I'm going to start a blog. So I started the Uncle Nathan blog. I worked tirelessly for six months without telling anyone what I was doing. Wrote about 30 blog posts on how to get through high school, like exam tips, uh, English-specific tips, subject-specific tips. And then I also focused on finance because personal money management is something that I'm obsessed with and think is so crucial that school doesn't necessarily touch on. So useful. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then we also focused on uni and travel. So they were the four pillars, school, money, uni, travel, because that is me in a nutshell. Those are the things that Mm -hmm. I loved at the time. And yeah, it was just a really nice way to have these resources online for students who are struggling at school from any school across Australia, across the world even, to access and learn a little bit about how to make school work for them if it didn't necessarily fit the way that it conventionally should. Well, that's amazing that you saw an opportunity in, you know, you're educating a few people here and there. And then you said, you know what, we actually have technology these days. Why don't I do a blog and see if I can reach more and more people and help more people? That is amazing that you were able to acknowledge that. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was, for me, it was like one of those things where I almost felt the responsibility to help because Mm -hmm. like working at school made me realize that not everyone was as lucky as me in terms of like getting through school so easily. Yeah. So I was like, hold on a minute. Like I've got this, all this knowledge stored in my brain. Like surely I should push that out to the world. Yeah. And like I said, I love social media. So it was super easy to share that and get stuff moving, get a bit of traction on that. Like I'd built quite a decent social media following beforehand. So it was I pushed it through my friends and they were all like, this is awesome. <laughs> Share it with their high school friends. And then from there, it just, yeah, started growing and growing yeah. and growing. That's awesome. So in Uncle Nathan, you do talk a lot about, you know, getting through school and all of that, but it is also a lot about mental health. Was there a point in your school life where you ever struggled with mental health? Because that is a big thing you talk about. So yeah, was there something that sort of triggered that for you to be like, actually, we need to have these conversations? Yeah, absolutely. I think... 
I was always the kid who was self-aware. And I think that's because when I was in year two, my parents got divorced and I started seeing like student counselor at primary school. So that sort of started my whole journey with seeing psychologists and counselors. And I was like, because I didn't know any different, that world of like speaking up about your mental health and making sure that your mind is in check was so normal for me because I never, like I had already established the healthy relationship with counselors and psychologists before I even knew what the stigma was. That's amazing. So yeah, by the time I got to high school, it was like, why do we not talk about this? It's such a normal thing. And if you're mind isn't in the right place how do you expect any other part of your life to be in the right place so So true like for me it's that's the top priority is like make sure your mind is healthy like we go to the gym Mm. three times four times a week to stay healthy yet we don't give our mind any attention why would you not do your mind gym routine just as much as you do your body gym routine it's so true. It translates into every area of your life. And that's true. Like we do go to the gym and even when we have a physical issue going on, we go to the doctor and we say, you know, our arm is sore or our leg is sore, but we don't acknowledge. It's almost the stigma of like, it's embarrassing to acknowledge what's wrong in our heads mm. when that's like arguably the most important part. Cause who knows, like that sort of stuff can manifest in your life in different areas. Absolutely. And I think the other problem is like it, it's hard to acknowledge, but also like so many people just can't see that something's wrong. Mm. It's it's more of like, why do I feel like this? Not what am I feeling? Yeah. And I think like that's what I try and push through Uncle Nathan is this whole idea of like becoming self-aware because it's not necessarily about, it's not that people don't know how to fix it. It's just that people don't know how to diagnose it. Yeah. Either they're scared to be like, oh, I'm feeling really anxious right now or I'm feeling depressed or I'm having this depressive episode. Mm. And I'm the sort of person that does believe that these things come in waves. Like it's not just because you're depressed today doesn't mean you have depression. Yeah. It's just like you're going through a depressive period and you need to figure out what you can do to get yourself out of that period. That's so, so true. When I talk about mental health on Uncle Nathan and like even today I'm wearing my good human shirt. Um, gratitude is the attitude. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so my mate Cooper Chapman runs the good human factory and that's specifically around mental health. And I think like what him and I try and push through our platforms is like, Put your mind in check every day. So mm-hmm. when you wake up, like think, what am I grateful for today or what am I grateful for for yesterday? Like just constantly remind yourself that life is good. It's not that bad moments create a bad life. It's that yeah. bad moments should be the catalyst to create more good moments. So I think like I'm no expert in any of this. So I'm just trying to be like this is how I think. This is why I'm positive all the time. It's not that I don't have bad moments. It's just that I have more good moments than bad moments. So overall, my life is good. And I try and help other people think like that. That's such an interesting way of looking at it because I think sometimes, at least in my experience, when I've gone through bad spots, I'm like, oh, is that me now? That can't be me. But it's no, like this is a season. You know, our life comes in seasons. And if you're going through something, you're going to come out of it as well. And it's just about how do you get out of it? Like what is your process to get out of it? So would you say that because of everything you did throughout school with psychologists, that sort of developed your mindset around being able to speak about this sort of stuff and actually be able to have these conversations? Yeah, I think like just generally I'm quite an extroverted person. So I'm not really afraid of what other people think of me, which makes Mm -hmm. it so much easier to speak publicly because it's like I know that people won't agree with what I'm saying. Yeah. And like I expect people to disagree with what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But because of that expectation, I'm more comfortable with the fact that if I speak to 10 people and only one person gets some value out of that, then I've helped one person. 
to me, it's not about the nine people who disagree. It's about the one person who agrees and actually finds value in that. So I think like having seen psychologists throughout my whole high school life and obviously the counselor when I was in the younger years of school and then having like my parents are incredible as well. Like my whole family environment is so supportive and affectionate and that has really helped me be able to like express myself because I've never felt like I've had to hide any of me. And I find that that is the reason why I can talk publicly Mm. about things that other people might struggle to talk about because in my mind it's like this is what I think and the people who agree with that will find me. The people who disagree with that can leave me. Like it's it it honestly doesn't matter. That's so true. It's about helping those people who need help. It's not about the large numbers of people who just disagree with you. You're like, okay, it's not for you. It's not targeted for you. You can just unfollow me. (laughs) Exactly right. And I think like, and that's why I think what you're doing here with the podcast is like awesome because that's the scariest part about starting something. Because usually like the friends that you have, yeah, they support you in the early days. But then as you start posting more, they're like, oh, this isn't really for me. Yeah, And they start disagreeing and that can be really disheartening. Mm -hmm. But like when you keep going and pushing through that, and we spoke about this the other week, like there's that clear period where it goes from friends and family who support you Mm -hmm. to supporters who support you. And when you can push through that weird transition period, that is an awesome feeling. And I I talk about that in a podcast sense, but I think that's true for any part of life. Like Mm. when you're going through high school and you finish high school with your group of friends and then everyone goes their separate ways and you struggle with that idea of not being able to see your friends as often because everyone has different schedules or you start losing friends. And then eventually if you push through that, you start finding friends who have similar interests, not just in a similar environment. And it's like I find that in so many different areas of life. If you can push through the awkward Mm -hmm. phase, you get to the good phase. That's so true. And I think it's the same as even being yourself because sometimes if you're putting on a facade and you're not necessarily being yourself, you're going to meet people who are not really in line with what you want. So your environment then becomes people that aren't really for you. And so you're like, okay, well, now I can't really go off and do something different because they're going to judge me and I can't actually be myself because they're going to judge me. Whereas once you start actually being yourself and start talking about the things you want to talk about and doing what you want to do in life, you'll meet like-minded people. Absolutely. I find like, I don't know, I just get tired of wearing a mask. So what's, why would you? It's 100%. It's tiring. (laughs) Yeah. So bringing back to Uncle Nathan, so we've had the blog. Where did now the podcast come into this? Yeah, so I realized pretty quickly that young people especially, as much as they love getting information, they don't love getting that information through reading. Mm. Like I never read blogs. Why do I expect other young people to read blogs? I I found that after the initial hype was gone, it just became a chore for people. Right. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out a different medium to share this information. And that's where the podcast came from. I was Mm -hmm. like, now I've got two different things. I've got the blog where I can share my own opinions and thoughts. And now I've got the podcast where I can speak to other people who are doing the things that I push out into the world, like chasing their passion unrelentlessly. I can talk to them and share their lessons with the world. So that gave me a really nice distinction because I had my opinion, their opinion, and they Mm. all sort of merged for anyone to listen and create their own opinion. And I found that the podcast was so much easier for people to engage with because you could chuck it on when you're running, you could chuck it on on the bus, put it on before you go to sleep, 
And I was talking to people who other people looked up to. So it was like really interesting to get that inside scoop. Like how often do you get to talk for an hour with someone who you've seen on social media and look up to for the last five years? Like that rarely happens. Whereas now I can give people access to an hour long conversation with these really cool people doing really cool things who so many people are inspired by. So that, yeah, that was a really cool moment for me is realizing the power of the podcast. Especially with things that you're interested in, like with your blog, you'd be talking about it. But then when you get to the podcast, you're like, wow, now I get to interview people about this exact thing. That's really cool. Yeah, exactly. But I think like having the blog was a really good foundation Mm. because that's what helped me get my own thoughts concise, which I, I think is so important. Like so many of us go through school and we all form our own opinions after high school in the real world, but we struggle to be able to share that with other people. And I think like this is why I'm such an advocate for journaling because it's very similar to blog writing. Like when you journal, you're forced to make the sentence make sense. Whereas when you have so many ideas in your head just constantly flowing throughout your brain, it's so hard for people to be able to share those ideas with others in a way that's understandable. That's so true. But if you write it out, it has to make sense. That's I think what this podcast has even done for me so far. I should start a blog because I write pretty much everything. And then it's just made a lot of sense to me where I'm at in my life and what I want for my life just from starting the podcast. Mm. There are things that I've realized that I'm like, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't start this episode and actually write it down. So yeah, it's a bit of journaling and <laughs> podcasting at the same time. You definitely should start a blog. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But like the podcast that you do is great as well because as I said, people prefer to listen. Yeah. That's true. I definitely like to listen. (laughs) So with your mindset, a lot of what you talk about is designing a life that you love and working a job that you love and not settling for something that you're not actually interested in just for money, which I think is incredibly, incredibly important. Have you always had this mindset of you're going to go down the path that you love and that you're going to chase your dreams and try to monetize that? Or was there sort of a turning point in your life where you were like, actually, no, I do want to go down a path I love? Yeah, it's a really interesting question because I don't think I've always thought like that. Mm. I think, hmm, I'm just trying to think about my journey with it all and like the distinction points. So I'll take you back to what I thought I wanted to do in high school and that'll probably give everyone a good idea of how my thinking came to be. So in high school, I was an avid snowboarder, like I loved snowboarding. I wanted to be a professional snowboarder. I was obsessed with it. That's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That was my passion. That's amazing. That's so awesome. (laughs) I loved it, like obsessed. And again, like my parents enabled that for me. I'm so grateful for that because me as a 15-year-old addicted to snowboarding could never afford a lifestyle like that. Mm. Um, But at the same time, I heard everywhere, like you need a plan B, you need a plan B, you need a plan B. Oh, yes. So I was like, okay, so what's my plan B as a 15-year-old who just wanted to snowboard (laughs) all the time? And I actually watched The Wolf of Wall Street. And Classic. Like, not Classic. an advocate for watching that movie at 14 years old, but I became obsessed with the world of finance. Not yeah. the world of drugs, alcohol, and all the rest of it, but the world of finance because I was like, this guy can rock up to work <laughs> for like three hours and make $6 million and then like go and do whatever he wants. He yeah. can take yeah. his wife to Greece for the weekend. Like all these things, I was like, that's what I want. I want to be able to wake up tomorrow and decide what I'm going to do with my day. Yeah. And so I got really deep into the world of finance and learning about how it actually works because obviously a movie is a movie. It's meant for entertainment purposes. It's not necessarily a true depiction of what the finance world is. And I 
watched The Big Short like so many times. It's such a good movie. That one is much more real in the world of finance. And I started learning a lot about personal money management, investing, like all of these different things. And I was like, what do I want to do in my life? I want to become an investment banker if I can't become a snowboarder. Wow. That's two very different <laughs> polar <Absolutely>. opposites. <laughs> yeah. So I remember that distinctly in like a year 10 class, we were asked, where do you want to be in five years? And I was like, in five years, I want to be wearing a suit, holding a briefcase, working, uh, walking into the city. Mm. And I'm now, well, year 10 was got 2017. So I'm now five years, on, uh, six years on from that. And the last thing I want to be doing is wearing a suit, holding a briefcase, walking into the city every day. That's so it's so really interesting. interesting how it's all changed. But I guess the point of all of this is there was a point in year 12 where I realized I wasn't going to become a professional snowboarder. I kept breaking bones and I realized I didn't have the determination, the grit or the ability to chase winters as much as I'd need to to become a professional snowboarder. So that reality for me was like, okay, I love snowboarding. That's one of my passions, but I can't monetize this in a way that will provide the lifestyle that I want. So that then became a hobby. Mm-hmm. And you can still be passionate about hobbies and passionate about work. Like I, I think there is a distinction there, but it's still passions over the board. I completely agree. And I thought, why do I want to do investment banking? Because I want to make a lot of money. Am I passionate about that? No. I'm passionate about personal money management and investment, but not for other people, for myself. So I had to sit back and think, okay, I'm going to uni, school, at this point high school finished, I'm going to uni, doing a business degree, what do I want for myself at the end of this uni degree? And I was like, what I want for myself is what I said before, like I want to wake up tomorrow and decide what I want to do with my day. Mm. With a full-time corporate job, I can't do that. Like I have to go into work Monday to Friday. And I was like, okay, so how can I enable myself to get this lifestyle? And that's where the whole passion thing started. What am I passionate about? How can I make that passion something I choose to do every day? And then how do I monetize it? And that's how I sort of stumbled across the whole world of social media because that to me was the clearest way to monetize a personal brand. Yeah. Like your personal brand is you. It can be whatever you want it to be. And then – now, I've started a social media marketing agency, which I can do online from anywhere in the world, and I'm about to move to Bali. That is amazing. There is so much in there that I want to so <laughs> unpack. A lot of what you do is, you know, creating a life that you love and doing it for a specific lifestyle to be able to wake up and do what you want that day. We talk a lot about work-life balance these days, and it's thrown around a lot, and I think everyone has a completely different definition of what work-life balance is to them. So whether that be a lot more work in the day and then have your side hustle at night and then, you know, only have the weekends for life. How does that look for you? Because you've gone about this to create your ultimate lifestyle and create the life you love. So how do you balance that? Yeah, I I love that you brought this up, Holly, because I think balance is such a misunderstood concept. Mm -hmm. Like when you think about balancing on a tightrope, it's not about standing in one place and holding that. It's about, okay, so you start leaning one way, you shift your balance to lean back the other way. And that like, it's a constant movement. You're never balanced. You're balancing all the time. So I think this idea of like work-life balance is about constantly shifting different parts of your life to get closer to the ideal, but you're never going to reach it because it is a constant balancing act. And for myself, it's about prioritizing things. So first and foremost, what are my values? Like my values are being able to wake up tomorrow and decide what I want to do with my life, having my personal finances in check, uh, in check, being a trustworthy human, 
and loving the people that I love unconditionally. Like that for me is my pillar. So with those as my priority, it's about waking up each day. Oh, actually not waking up, going to sleep each day and thinking about the past day, whether or not I've been true to those four pillars. So if the love part and the personal finances are in check, like those are doing really good, are the other two parts doing really good? If they're lacking, then maybe tomorrow I focus a little bit more on them. And it's just this constant like reflection, action, reflection, action, reflection, action, reflection. Like do the things you think you need to do to get closer to that balance and then reflect on where you are on that scale and then adjust the next day to get closer to where you want to be. And I find like that's literally all it is. It's not about doing certain things every day to create certain environments or behaviors. It's just like, where am I? What do I need to do? Let's do it. Okay, where am I now? I think we go through different seasons in our lives where sometimes we may want to work a little bit harder. And then sometimes we may, may want to prioritize our friendships and our family and prioritize travel. So seeing it as a balancing act of like, okay, it's not always going to be a perfect split. Like you can't split your day every day to have the perfect balance between life and work Mm. because there are going to be times where you might be up at 1 a.m., you know, getting something done. And there might be other times where you're like, you know what, I just need to see my family and friends a little bit more because I'm struggling. And I love that you've put that as it's constantly evolving because I think I've even personally been caught up with, okay, how do I plan my week so that I have enough time for my hobbies? I have enough time for work. I see all my friends and my family and I get overwhelmed by the whole work-life balance. I'm like, okay, am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? Where do I sit on this? But I love the idea of that it's constantly evolving. It's okay if I haven't done that much work this week because I've seen a lot of my friends and family and I'm happy. And it's okay maybe if I haven't seen many friends this week because I've done a lot of work. So I love that. And I think like it's something that we all need to understand is you only have so much energy every day. So you can't expect to be able to give all of that energy to everything. Mm. You need to make like an active choice on, okay, this is where I'm going to put my energy today. And actually something that I went through at the end of last year that has helped shape that even further is like I pretty much did six months of travel whereas before that like I was so fixated on working hard working hard every single day like grinding and I pretty much because when you're traveling like there's no stability there's no certainty every day is different Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to get any work done so I pretty much just put everything on hold I was like I've got savings let's go spend it which That's for me amazing. was <laughs> so difficult because I just spent so long building that up. Yeah. But once you get over that initial guilt, because at the end of the day, like you're the person who's setting your deadlines. So it's not like you're feeling guilty because you're letting other people down. You just feel guilty because you're letting your own expectations of yourself mm. down. So just refine the expectations. Like when I went traveling, I said, okay, what am I doing for the next six months? What I'm doing for the next six months is growing myself as a person, which will benefit my work in the long run. So when I framed it like that, it was, okay, I don't need to work right now because I am working on myself every day. Like all these new experiences help me sit here with you and share my mindset and focus on creating a better life for myself in the future. Mm. So like as much as, no, I didn't produce content while I was overseas or not as much as I used to. And as much as like I didn't make any money while I was overseas because I was just spending all my money, I now know that my ability to make money in the future is enhanced and much more robust because I've got these real life experiences behind me. So I think like if you can get over the initial guilt and really set yourself up to focus on what do I want for myself right now and then go get that. Like, 
like exactly what you said. If you right now want to grind and get lots of work done, then cool, focus on that. But know that your friendships might suffer. Mm. Whereas if you want to really focus on your friendships right now, then cool, go do that. But just know that your work might suffer. Yeah. But be okay with that. Like that is fine because you have so much time to make everything work eventually. I think it's like choose your all. Like what is your all at the time? What do you need in your life at that moment? And I love how you said change your own expectations because I think a lot of the pressure comes from ourselves, comes from disappointing ourselves. Like, oh, we said we'd do this this week and we didn't get it done. But it's like, okay, well, what else have you done that week? Like Mm. you said, like traveling is so beneficial for you and for discovering who you are and then that will bring back into your work. That is so valuable. Absolutely. I think like celebrating the little wins is so important. Yeah. Like I'll give you a perfect example. With the agency that I've just started, um, Finsightful Media, that for me is what I've created to allow me to live the life that I want to live. So I'm moving to Bali in four weeks. Oh, and that's amazing. That's what, <laughs> that's what allows me to move to Bali is because I can just work online. But in creating that, like I set these huge goals, mm. huge goals to achieve like ridiculously quickly. And I'm now sitting here two months after starting it with two clients. I'm making more money than I was making in my part-time job. But the other day I had this moment of, ah, I should be doing more. But then it's like, hold on, hold on a second. Like sit back. You, in the last two months, you've just started a brand new business. You've picked up two clients who are paying you real money, more money than you've ever made in your life. And you've now built this robust business that you can share with potential new clients and sign them on. And you've done that in two months. And I just had this moment of like, that's massive. Like I should be celebrating that. I should be proud of that. I shouldn't be like, I need to be doing more. I need to be doing more because Mm. that's how you fall into the trap of thinking I'm not good enough. Whereas when you celebrate those small wins, it's I am good enough. So keep going. It's like motivation. That's so true. And that is incredible, by the way. Congratulations. That's so exciting. It is. It's yeah. It feels really good. But like I said, big goals, there's so much more to get done. But um, if anyone's out there wants a media company <laughs> to help, then feel free to hit us up. Plug, plug. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's a new business, right? Yeah, get it out there. No, that is awesome. And I think it's so important. We need to look back and see how far we've come. Because I think when you're on a journey, sometimes you get caught up in like, okay, what's next? What's next? I need to be bigger. I need to be reaching more people. And it's like, what if you five months ago could look into the future and see where you're at now? Like how stoked would you be you three months ago looking at where you are now with two clients earning more than you would part-time? Like that's incredible. Absolutely. So I I think it's a good thing because it keeps us determined and it means we have a lot of grit that we always want to be striving for more. But we do need to, like you said, celebrate those small wins to keep our minds in check and go, no, okay, I'm on a good path. Like I'm Mm. happy with who I am and where I am. Yeah. I think it's just this constant reminder of reflection and planning. Yeah. Like plan for the future, but reflect on the past mm. because that's where you get the gra- the reflection is where you get the gratitude and the planning is where you get the motivation. I really like that. But also like I'm also an advocate for be present. Just enjoy – like right now I'm sitting here talking to you behind two microphones. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that moment and I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not thinking about work afterwards, although now that I say it – <laughs> Now you're thinking about, about work. work. <laughs> so it's like just remind yourself to be present and set aside present time to focus on the past and focus on the future. Like that's sort of how I like to think about it. I love that. So with the traveling, so we're moving to Bali, but you said you did six months of traveling beforehand. Give us a rundown of what that was. Yeah. So as much as I say I did six months, it's like I went to a different country every month for six months, but I wasn't overseas for six months straight. Um, So the first one was New Zealand. 
I went with my brother for a couple of weeks and we went snowboarding, oh, had an awesome time. It was one of those just like party, 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 have as much fun as possible yeah. sort of holidays. And that Wild. Was, Love yeah, that. <laughs> that was incredible. Like Queenstown is my favorite place on earth. That place is, oh, it's stunning. Like, oh my God. I I've go heard back the there. snow is amazing. Yeah. I haven't been there, but I've heard a lot about it. The snow is good. It's similar to Australian snow, mm. which when you compare to like Japan and the US and Swiss Alps and oh, stuff, Japan. nothing. Yeah. Unreal. Japan's incredible. <laughs> That's on my list. Um, but yeah, so New Zealand. And then after New Zealand, I did Qatar for mm-hmm. the World Cup with my dad. And that was incredible in itself. I was posting TikToks over there that just went ballistic and ended up getting picked up by Tourism Qatar and they pretty much funded the rest of my trip and asked me to make TikToks and we got to do these incredible things that I never, ever, ever would have thought of in my wildest dreams that I'd be able to do in a Middle Eastern country and it was all like I would never afford that. So that was incredible to be able to do. Um, Again, power of social media. That's insane. Like just by starting something or just by doing something, like if you decided not to do that travel video, you would never have got that. Exactly. So like putting yourself out there, like you never know what can come from it. I know. I, and I literally just posted that video because mum and my sister who could wasn't able to come because she had other commitments, when I was leaving, they were like, you need to make a video so you can share with us like what you're doing over there because I want to see, I want to feel like I'm part of it. So I just made this first vlog. And, like, overnight it got 1.3 million views or something That's stupid. Insane. Yeah, and, and then, like, I posted another one and the same thing happened. I posted another one and the same thing happened. And it just went oh, ballistic. Your phone would have been blowing up. Oh, You're like, what crazy. is going on? But <laughs> I actually don't have any social media notifications turned on. Oh, and wow. And so I didn't see your message this morning because I just don't have anything on. <laughs> that's so fair. That's another point in and of itself. Like I think it's really important to control how your phone dictates your life. Because mm. if my notifications were on, I would have been on TikTok constantly like, oh, what's the latest? What's the latest? What's the latest? Like yeah. is there a new comment? But because it wasn't, I could enjoy my holiday. Like I could enjoy being present with my family on my trip. And then just before bed, I was like, oh, I'll check TikTok. And then I was like, holy shit, it just blew up. That's um, so cool. So, yeah, that in and of itself is something really important. That's true. I need to do that as well because sometimes, like, as good as you think you get with it and you, as good as you think, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm, I've passed the TikTok stage, sometimes you get caught in it and then mm. you're there for hours. And it's like, how did, how did that time go? <laughs> Absolutely. I just think with social media, expectations are the killer because mm. if you expect something to do well on socials and it doesn't, then you almost feel this bout of depression. It's like, damn, like why didn't that perform like I thought it would? Yeah. Whereas for me, like with notifications turned off and with the ability to just post because I love the content, it's not about the likes or the response. It's about like I'm sharing this with you because I love it mm. and I hope you find the enjoyment that I found. And then it's whatever, like I'll log in three days later to TikTok and a video might have 200K views or it might have no views. And like either or, it's like whatever, next video. So it's like that's how you keep your passion alive without letting likes and comments and other people design how you feel about your life and how you feel about your project. I think, and sorry to divert away from the travel for a second. No, no, no. But I think the thing with following your passion is – You need a passion that's a hobby and a passion that's monetized, like I said before. Because if I had monetized Uncle Nathan to the point where it was my full-time income, then I need things to perform on social media. Mm. And then you fall into the trap of like, okay, this didn't perform. Damn it, why didn't it perform? Like I need it to perform. But for me, Uncle Nathan is built to help people. And I never want it to fund my lifestyle because if it funds my lifestyle, then I have to create it in a way that makes money. Whereas for now, it's just like this is what I think might help some people. 
Does it help people? Yes. Awesome. Does it not help people? Okay, sorry, I got that one wrong. But like, regardless, does any money come in? Maybe sometimes, maybe not other times. Like, it doesn't matter because my money's coming from elsewhere. That's so true. I heard this statistic that once you start getting paid for something that you love and once you start getting paid for something that you're doing, then the satisfaction you get from it actually starts to decrease. So that's where I'm kind of struggling. I'm like, okay, so do I go down a path of my hobby and do I make my passion into you know, a job? Do I try and do that? Or do I sort of have two different avenues like you've gone down? So mm. it's like you've got your own company now, but then Uncle Nathan is now your project and it's your hobby, which is incredibly successful in itself, mm. but you're not relying on it for money. And I think that's really important because then that'll keep the passion alive. For sure. It's a tough one though, because in making that choice, like I now have two massive things that require my time rather than just one. Mm. So if I'm not working, I'm working on Uncle Nathan, which does feel like work sometimes as much as I love it. Like now that I'm focusing so hard on the business, the podcast has taken a backseat because I can't produce as much content. And sure, I could hire people to produce that content based on the money I'm making from the other business, but then it's like really hard to justify paying for something that's not making any money. So there is still that side of things. It's definitely a sacrifice that you make, but I just think in terms of like me wanting to provide value to other people, I can do that best if Uncle Nathan's not monetized. So I think it's different for everyone. Also, with everything that you are doing, it seems to me like it'd be a lot of solo work. That's what I'm at least finding so far with this project. How, I guess, do you navigate this industry of a lot of solo work? Like you do interview a lot of people. Have you sort of had to network to build a community or is there times of loneliness, like painting a real picture of what following your passion and the entrepreneur lifestyle is actually like? Oh, absolutely. It's being an entrepreneur is so lonely mm. because not only are you often working by yourself for countless hours, but also what you're doing, no one else understands. Like as much as other entrepreneurs get what it's like to be in that situation, everyone who's doing their own thing is doing something a little bit different. So you're really just figuring it out for yourself. And I think especially when you're in a friend group of people who aren't doing a similar thing to you, it's really hard for like those relatable conversations because you just feel like no one hears what I'm actually trying to say. No one's doing this with me. But then it's that risk reward thing. Like if you take all of the risk and put yourself in those really uncomfortable situations, you'll get out the other side. Number one, a success. And number two, a much more robust human because you've gone through those darker days. So some of my learnings around the whole thing is like when I started Uncle Nathan, obviously Uncle Nathan is me. Like I can't really sell that thing. I can't really have other people for, uh, facilitating it unless it looks like it's me doing it. So it's always just been me. I've produced all my content, posted everything on social media myself, and it is draining. Like it is really tough. So I feel exactly what you're going through right now. Whereas with the new digital marketing agency, I've got a co-founder, and w having him by my side makes everything so much easier because like in the shit days, I can turn to him and say, I'm not feeling it today. And he'll be like, that's cool. I'll take some of your workload and vice versa. Mm. And everything is just made so much nicer because there's someone else who gets you. Yeah. And that's a really nice feeling. Having a team and just even being able to relate to them about the work that you're doing, like you said, mm. 
that's yeah that's something I'm struggling with because I am very much a teams person and I love teams I was in a sales job and there was like a whole office of people I would just you know it's a lot of chatter and everyone's going through the same thing whereas I guess that's why I reached out to you because I was like hey I want to start interviews and I was like I also just want to have friends who are doing similar things so like to talk about because yeah like you said it is a bit lonely I guess when you're doing everything yourself yeah, but exactly what you did is like perfect. You need to – because quite often when we go down this path, the people around us aren't doing the same thing. So like I said before, it feels like you can't have those relatable conversations because they just don't get it. Yeah. So it's really important to build this network of people doing a similar thing so that you can lean on each other for help in those times where you're like, oh, my God, I can't be bothered today or like I feel like I've hit a roadblock. Yeah. So something that I did really early on was – this is when Clubhouse blew up. I don't, do you know what Clubhouse no, is? No, I don't. <laughs> so when I first started the podcast, Clubhouse was this new like audio app. It's like social media, but you'd have rooms of people talking about certain topics. Um, so I jumped on Clubhouse and there were like podcast rooms with lots of oh. other Aussie podcasters. So that's how I met like Byron and Nat Larkos and Dale and Annie and all these incredible people who are doing very similar creative things. And for my first six months of podcasting, they were my crew. Like that's who I leaned on because we're all doing similar things. Whereas now we've all got a little bit more established and everyone's gone down their different paths and we're all still really good friends, but we don't necessarily have to talk all the time because we've got other people who are much more suited for the niche that we're going down helping us. But yeah, so that's for something like someone like yourself who's at the start of that journey or anyone else listening who's at the start of a similar journey, like build a network of people who are at the same point Mm. or a similar point, doing similar things. Because then you can start to figure things out together. And at the end of the day, like in the business world, two plus two doesn't equal four. Like two plus two equals 10. <laughs> if you have yourself plus other people, like if you have four people doing a similar thing and one person figures something out and shares it with the other three, mm. like that's one bit of knowledge that took one person a small bit of time, but it took you no time. So imagine like that to the power of four. It just like massive because you start figuring things out and this compound effect happens and everyone grows exponentially quicker. That's so true. It's like if you make a group of friends and someone's great with a video and then someone else is great with a podcasting, like you can share that knowledge and you can help each other out and learn from each other's lessons as well. Mm -hmm. Like things that went wrong, sharing those experiences, there's so much we can learn from that. Absolutely. Which I think think is why it's – sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. It's really important to have a mentor as well, Mm. someone who is 5, 10 – 50 steps ahead of you because they can share their failures and lessons so that you don't have to make the same mistake. So who would be your mentor? Um, I'd say in the podcast space early on, definitely Byron Dempsey, like the Driven Young podcast Mm -hmm. and everything he does with that was massive for me because he was a year ahead of me. So he had figured everything out that I was still learning and I got to lean on him for advice and questions and he had, he had me on his podcast really early on. So I got to see how he did everything and the setup and that was incredibly valuable for me. Um, and then now that I think I've grown and I'm going down the whole business route, like my business partner, Matt, is an incredible mentor for me. He's a bit older. He's got really uh, four or five thriving businesses and he's living the lifestyle that I want to be living at his age. So he helps me immensely. I also find a lot of mentorship um, online through certain individuals, like obviously the cliches, David Goggins and Elon Musk, and like looking at how they build their lifestyle and their work ethic, like that is incredibly inspiring. But there's also a guy 
Iman Gaji, who runs like a social media marketing agency. And I've been listening to him so much lately. Like he's incredible. And he's got this thing, which is what we're talking about earlier. He's got this thing called monk mode. So when you think about balancing your work-life balance or just work and life, you often, like what we're saying, you try and do both. But Mm. he talks about this thing, monk mode, where you decide for the next 90 days, I'm going to focus only on work. And you go full monk mode, like I'm working constantly. I love that. Grinding (laughs) hard and just taking care of myself in every way that I can. And then at the end of it, you have the fun times. So people like that who just share these lessons after years of experience, like I find so much value in because I can look at what they've done and the mistakes they've made and avoid the same mistakes but use the same lessons. That's so interesting. And I think there is something to be said about when you're looking for advice, go to advice from people who have been where you are trying to go. Mm -hmm. Because then, yeah, like you said, the lessons as well. The flip side of that is though, like take advice from people who haven't been where you're trying to go with a grain of salt. Because as much as the people around you, especially your family, family and like really close friends, they want the best for you, of course. But if they haven't done what you're trying to do, you can't expect them to be able to give you the best advice to get there. They might give you great advice based on their own experiences, but just take it with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, like you know what's best for you. Yeah, I have that as well. Absolutely love my family, but we do it to each other. Whenever anyone asks anyone else for advice, we all have different things that we're going for in our lives. We all have very different advice. Mm. So it's like even within the family, we all know to take it with a grain of salt because even just me and my sister, we are polar opposites. Like I'm like, I want to live a life I love. I'm going to follow my passions. She's like, I want to go down, you know, the financial path. And both are very valid, but we give each other opposite advice. Mm. So it's like her advice wouldn't work for me in my life. My advice would be awful for her in her life. So, yeah, like you said, take everything with a grain of salt. Absolutely. I just think it's this, like, trust in what you think is best for you. Yeah. It's so hard for us to trust ourselves and our thoughts. Like, know that if you've done the preparation and you've done the learnings, what you think is right is probably right. The only time you wouldn't trust yourself is if you're completely unprepared and unknowledgeable in a subject. Hmm. But, like, for me, I've spent so much time learning about business that when it comes time to make a business decision, I can trust that. And if it doesn't work, then that's a learning for me. Like it's not win or lose, it's win or learn. And that to me is how I pretty much go into any situation. Win or learn. I love that. So true. Has there been any times in your life where there's something you're really struggling to learn from and you're like, I need to see the good in this? Um, I think like breakups are always a bit like oh, yeah. that at first. Like they suck. Mm. Going through breakups are really tough. <laughs> they do. <laughs> and especially in that first like few weeks to few months, it's like, why is this happening? Like, there is no good in this. Mm. Why am I in this situation? How do I fix it? Let's get back together. It's so easy to just fall in that trap. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize that until like, I, uh, what was it? July last year is when I had my most recent proper breakup. And like, it sucked. I've never felt like that in my life. But you push through it and you keep reminding yourself, okay, what am I grateful for? What do I want? What didn't I like about that situation? What did I learn from it? What did I like about that situation? Because I think relationships for me are a learning situation. You figure out, I like this. This is what I want more of. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. This is what I want less of. And when a relationship comes to an end, it usually happens because, yeah, the good stuff might have been good, but there were too many things that you'd rather. So you go and find that. 
And I find that like once you realize the relationship ended because the situation wasn't ideal for you and like you can find something more ideal. Once you realize that it's a lot more about, okay, this is a good thing because it gives me a clean slate. Like I can go and find what I'm looking for. Yeah. And I think reflection after a breakup is also really important because sometimes after a breakup, you look at all the good things that you did have and it's like, everything was great. Everything was great just after the breakup. And you're like, actually things weren't great. And that's why we've broken up. You know, there are reasons to it. So reflecting after and being like, okay, like you said, what do I like? What do I not like? And then looking for the next partner with that. I think that's really important because I've definitely been on the trap of a breakup and then being like, oh, you know what? It probably wasn't that bad. And then getting back together and it's a cycle and we both knew, you know, it's just not working. But mm. accepting that is is hard when you're like, you know, you're hard. It hurts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, breakups are really interesting. I've never experienced anything like that. It sucks. Me neither. And my ex and I tried it again and, like, I don't regret trying it again at all because we learned that it just isn't meant to be, mm. which actually made the breakup the second time way easier because it wasn't like, okay, let's try again. It was like... No, we know this isn't meant to be, so let's just get through this. Yeah, your emotions get the better of you and you're like, if I'm feeling this sad and I'm feeling this down after the breakup, it must have been something good. Mm-hmm. And of course, it could have been something good, but it doesn't mean that you should still be together. Yeah, you know? something it, it good doesn't us. necessarily mean it's good for you. It's just it was good for you. Yeah. But like people change and situations change and people grow apart and people grow together. Yeah. That's just a part of life. Some people stay, some people go. That's true. And I think that's true in every aspect. Like people are either in your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. I love that. Yeah. So it's like even with friendships as well, I think sometimes as people, we get so caught up in like, we can't let this person go because they've entered our life. And I think we struggle a lot with letting things go. So even friendships, when they're no longer serving you and maybe they were at some point in your life really valuable to you. It's hard to let that go, but just thinking about it like, okay, they were here for a reason, maybe to teach me something. There was something I needed to learn. A season just to relate to me at wherever point I am in my life or a lifetime. And then you have those really, really good ones, Mm. those close ones that stay. Absolutely. I love that motto. I might start using that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll quote you. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. That's a, yeah. I really like that actually. A season, a reason. Or a lifetime. Mm, It's just a nice way to wrap your head around it. And you're like, okay, you were my reason. Like I needed to meet you because if I didn't meet you, then A and B wouldn't have happened or I wouldn't have learned this about myself and I wouldn't have gone down that path. So try not to get wrapped up in like this person needs to stay in my life and be like they were meant to just be here for that amount of time. Absolutely. I realized that we didn't finish the traveling conversation. Yeah, we we just, we're on a roll. Back to the... (laughs) I hit the tangent. (laughs) I do that. Yeah, I know. It's good. Like, if you have something worth talking about, then why not talk about it? That's it. You have to dig into it, unpack it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to finish that question? I do. Back to the travel. Okay, yeah. So Um, we finished at Qatar. Qatar finished, came home, went to Bali. Um, Again, boys trip, super fun, party vibes. Came home. Uh, then went to India for three weeks and that was completely different. That was like a uni trip. We went to this place called Oroville, which is like an intentional society built on the idea of meditation and serving the divine consciousness. Wow. So that was crazy. Like that's not something I've experienced before, and especially coming off a week in Bali of partying. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, whoa, and now we're meditating. Yeah, this that, is a polar uh, opposite. <laughs> that was different. Like, yeah, I was meditating every day for an hour or two. 
and journaling and just like getting really in touch with myself. So that was really nice. Wow. And then came home and did Bali again, just a spontaneous trip. Yep. We love Bali. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely crazy. And then like weirdly enough, that spontaneous trip that I booked three days before we left, like I met a girl who I'm now with and we're moving to Bali together. Oh, no way. Yeah. So it's like random and crazy and all the stars aligned. But if I didn't take that chance and go on that holiday, that never would have happened. That is so cool. So yeah, travel for the last six or so months has been crazy. And now I'm at sort of the end of it. Well, the beginning of another whole journey. But yeah, it's like it's all worked out incredibly amazing for me. And I truly believe that's because I put my attentions in the right place and I'd Mm. done all the work. Yeah, for sure. I was ready to go and do that. You showed up as yourself. You showed up knowing what you want instead of just going for something that probably isn't right for you because you know who you are. Absolutely. And back to the the whole like breakup relationship side of things, if I hadn't gone to India and I hadn't spent that time getting super in touch with myself and what I was feeling and like that helped me get through the breakup. By the end of India, I was like, okay, I'm fully myself again. Like I loved that part of my life, but it's time for the new chapter and I'm okay with that. Mm. If I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have been able to make this new situation work so well. Because, like, I knew that when the right person came along, I could make that decision. And I definitely didn't expect it to happen so quickly. But the fact that it did, like, cool, whatever, I was ready. And, like, I think that's really important, especially in a breakup or any tough time, is, like, feel the emotions, feel the pain, understand why it's happening, understand what the lessons are, and then start taking some action to make an improvement. Like, get through it, push yourself through it, and then things will work out. That's true. I feel like you do have to sit in it and be in that pain for a while to actually get through it. Because I think sometimes it's a lot easier to go and try and hide it with other things, you know, go partying and try to cover it up and be like, I'm not in pain. I'm out every night. But to actually sit there and like deal with that is really, really difficult. But then you come out on the other side, like you said, knowing so much more about yourself, knowing the lessons and being able to move forward. Mm-hmm. and have a love story out of it. <laughs> exactly right. So we'll watch this space. Yeah. I'm very excited. So you met each other in Bali. Mm-hmm. What's the story there? Was she on a trip herself? Yeah, so Danny's from the UK. She was travelling Southeast Asia for like four months, since November last year. And yeah, she was in Bali. I was in Bali. We met, instant connection, like got on really well, and then spent the rest of the week in Bali together. I came home. And I was like, look, I wanted to move to Bali at, at the end of the year anyway. Why don't I come sooner? Because she was going to stay in Bali and like sort of settle down there for a little while. And then, yeah, so we've just been working through that situation, making it all happen, hence quitting my job, starting a new business. Like all of this has happened because I want to get to Bali ASAP. Yeah. Um, and now I'm in the position to do so. So it's pretty exciting. That's amazing. It's how all the stars are aligning. Absolutely. But again, the hard work is making the stars align. That's it. So I think it's a mixture of luck and hard work mm. and like capitalizing on opportunities. For sure. So within hard work, how is that going to work in Bali? Like what is your plan for Bali? Because I know you're doing the, is it 75 hard Yeah, yeah. at the moment to like get your mindset ready to keep yeah. your drive? How are you planning on going about Bali? Yeah. So I mean, like for me, Bali is the dream because I can wake up go for a surf and then eat an acai bowl, pump out four hours of work, go to the gym, eat some lunch, pump out four hours of work, eat some food, sit by the pool, enjoy either going out and seeing friends who are in Bali or 
staying in and hanging out in an incredible villa. Like, that's going to be my everyday. That is my dream as well. (laughs) Going to play golf, got a soccer team over there so I can keep playing soccer. Oh, cool. So I think, like, it's really easy to actually maintain that lifestyle if you treat it like this is my life, not a holiday. So that's why I'm, like, programming my mind to know that this is life, not a holiday. Yeah. Because both times that I've been to Bali, it's been a holiday. So I've been, like, party, 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 no work. But going over there with the idea of I'm going to work hard and just enjoy it like it's everyday life, then it makes it much easier to keep that drive. That's important, treating it like life. Yeah, because if you think about it as a holiday and I can do whatever I want, then obviously nothing's going to get done. Or you'll, yeah, you won't really reach your goals, which you hope to reach. Absolutely. Hence 75 hard. Like I want to, that's just helping me program that mindset. Which is also just in so intense in its own <laughs> Fully. In its own way. Yeah, pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm close to the end now and I can't wait. Oh, is it 75 days yeah. that you do it for? That's insane. It's yeah, like it's two a long workouts time. a day. Two 45 minute workouts, one outdoors, three liters of water. I think it's meant to be four, but I do three. Uh, <laughs> get out of bed by 8 a.m. because I'm yeah. the sort of person who works in the nighttime. Yep. So I sleep in till about seven and then make sure I'm out of bed before eight so I don't just get on my phone. Uh, no vaping, no alcohol. You have to read 10 pages of a book and take a progress pic every day. Nice. That would do a lot for the mindset. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So to wrap us up, I'm going to have a little tradition. Why don't you give us your biggest life lesson and your biggest life learning? Wow. To wrap us up, let's just give you a really philosophical (laughs) question. Um, As in something that I've learned to share with other people? Yeah. Okay. Um, My biggest life lesson. Biggest life lesson is everyone does things for themselves. So they're not doing stuff to you. They're doing stuff for them. And once you have that mentality, it's much easier to not take things personally. Because I find that like most anger or frustration stems from you assuming that someone has done something to you. And it's like, why did they do that to me? They didn't do that to you. They did that for them. Mm. So that's been massive for me because now it's like, I'm just going to keep doing me and they can keep doing them. And if what they're doing for themselves doesn't align with what I need for myself, then that's fine. We can go our separate ways. Um, Biggest life learning is that um, similar to that, like no one watches you as closely as you think. Mm. You think about how often you think about other people it rarely happens. Like you might, sure, someone might do something weird out in public and you're like, that was weird. But within 10 seconds, you've forgotten about it. That's so true. So treat that as your lesson in do whatever the hell you want to do because no one's really going to care all that much. That's so true. Like no one's judging you like you judge yourself. So just keep that perspective. I love that. Like even starting a passion project or starting anything new, you it's that fear of everyone's going to judge me. Everyone's going to, you know, disown me. It's going to be so embarrassing. Maybe they look at you for the first 10 seconds and they're like, oh, it's probably not for me. But then that's it, right? They carry on with their lives. Yeah, exactly right. So I think like it's really important to just maintain the perspective of I'm going to do whatever the hell I want because no one's going to remember anyway. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Such a good chat. And yeah, good luck with everything. I'm sure we'll stay in contact with the whole Bali situation. I'll be in Southeast Asia at some point. So I want to see the setup. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Holly. I'm excited to listen back, actually. 
And that's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got as much out of this episode as I did talking to Nathan. I have left his link to the post-school podcast in the show notes and his link to his socials, so his TikTok and Instagram. Definitely go check them out and follow him along. As always, if you could leave a rating and review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would mean a massive, massive deal to me. I hope you have a lovely week. I will speak to you next week. Bye.